Life Audio. Have you ever thought about the concept that what hurts you also hurts God? I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but when I truly understood that, it was life-changing for me. When I thought about the past hurts, the things I had experienced in childhood, the things that had been traumatic events for me, where I always felt like, man, God, where were you? Instead, if we can understand this perspective of what hurts God's people, hurts him because he is connected to us, it changes things for us. So we're going to be looking at that today in Psalm 83. Stay tuned. After a word from our sponsor, we're going to dive right in. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what He says in His Word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are in Psalm 83. I'm going to be starting in verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV. And if you're just joining us, we are going through a devotional reading of one psalm each day in an effort to really understand the heart of the psalms, the emotion, the humanity, the connection to God that we see because Jesus and the disciples quoted this book more than any other book when they were speaking about it in the New Testament. So starting at verse 1, it says, O God, do not keep silent. Be not quiet. O God, be not still. See how your enemies are astir, how your foes rear their heads. With cunning they conspire against your people. They plot against those you cherish. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. With one mind they plot together. They form an alliance against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagrites, Gabal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, and the people of Tyre, even Assyria has joined them to lend strength to the descendants of Lot. Do to them as you did to Midian, as you did to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kishon, who perished at Endor and became like refuse on the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all their princes like Zeba and Zalumna, who said, Let us take possession of the pasture lands of God. Make them like tumbleweed, O oh my God, like chaff before the wind, as fire consumes the forest or a flame sets the mountains ablaze. So pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Cover their faces with shame so that men will seek your name O lord may they ever be ashamed and dismayed may they perish in disgrace let them know that you whose name is the lord that you alone are the most high over all the earth so psalm 83 is one that is the last of the Asaph Psalms. So we have been talking about some of these Psalms that are peppered throughout that Asaph wrote. And this is the final one of what's called the Elohistic 
Psalter. And essentially that means Elohim is how they referred to God. And this would be considered a national lament, meaning it's describing some of the historical enemies of Israel. And Israel's enemies are essentially God's enemies too. And the psalmist is praying that they may be put to shame and humiliation and then acknowledge that Yahweh alone is God, the most high over all the earth. And so the key themes that we're going to see is that the Lord alone is the most high God. We're going to see that shame is um, a constraint on sinful behavior and that the people of God are the ones that God has trusted to keep God's reputation upholded. And there is a sense of, as believers, we are agents of God. And so we hold his reputation on our backs by our behavior. And so I, th I think um, even though there's a lot of names and places and things in this psalm that are sometimes hard for us to get through, there's this undercurrent of understanding that what hurts God also, I'm sorry, what hurts us also hurts God. And that's what we're going to point out as we keep going. There's some referring back to the time of the judges, the period of, of Israel's history when there was judges. And there's an understanding that there was some unsuccessful extent, attempts to exterminate really the nation of Israel. And that was, you know, the enemy's plan as God's chosen remnant of people, the enemy was trying to exterminate them. And so we see some of that, we hear some of that throughout the Psalm. There's a list here of the different enemies that impacted Israel's history. And so you have this list and then it ends with Assyria. And so that gives us an indication of the time frame in which this was written. And again, remember this, this part of the Psalms, we're generally talking after the time of the Babylonian exile, but this specifically, this Psalm is more talking about the Assyrian empire as one of the, the major enemies in Israel's history. The psalm starts off with this plea, O God, do not remain silent, O God. And we see that said twice. And usually something that's said twice, of course, just like now, it's said to reinforce that. And there's three verbs that are requesting that God doesn't remain silent, but he isn't doing anything. And it's not that he doesn't hear, but he's sitting still. And I, and I don't know if that resonates with you. I have definitely had times in my life where I have been up against an enemy or I've been going through a circumstance where the prayer of my heart has been, God, don't remain silent. I need to hear your voice. And sometimes the reality is, is God does sit still. And sometimes we have to lean into that silence as hard as that may be. And then of course, the prayer of the psalmist in verse two, he's saying your enemies, your foes, he's literally saying your enemies and those who hate you. It's an expression that reminds us and helps us understand that our enemies or even the enemies of Israel were not just Israel's enemies, but God's enemies. And so the psalmist is making this as part of the prayer, like, okay, God, don't be, be silent in this. These are your enemies as well. And I think even in terms of what we talked about yesterday in, in the theme of justice, when somebody is acting in opposition to God, they are an enemy of God. If somebody is acting in opposition to God's people, they are an enemy of God. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. And so the example here is when we are facing those things or those people, that it is okay to pray that way and even just say, hey, God, like, please inter intervene on my behalf because these people are doing evil in your sight. These people are um, acting in a way that is in opposition to the gospel. 
in verse four, it talks about the destruction. Let us destroy them. And this is clarifying that the intention of the enemy is to really wipe out the nation of Israel, like completely wipe them off the map. And what that would do is if they were destroyed, it would also destroy their witness for God. And if you think back to the book of Esther, where where Haman plans to bring an end to God's people, this is a recurrent theme that we see against the nation of Israel. And we know all the way back to within the last um, couple hundred years that this has been something that has been a, a tactic that the enemy has used against God's people. But that's not a new tactic. I mean, the nation of Israel has been under attack since pretty much day one. It talks in verse 5 about an alliance against you. And again, this is an alliance not just against Israel, but an alliance against Israel would be an alliance against God. And that was a common understanding within the rabbinic literature or in the Hebrew times they would have understood that. Now, there's lots of names in this next part. Um, the Ishmaelites, those would have been the descendants of Ishmael. You can read about them in Genesis 25. The Hagrites, those would be the tribes associated with the descendants of Hagar, who was Sarah's maidservant. Um, in verse 7, Byblos, that's the Greek name of a city in the northern part. Um, in the Hebrew, it would have been the name Gabal. You can see that in Ezekiel chapter 27. Uh, Ammon and Amalek. So they are both mentioned in Judges chapter 3 as being enemies of Israel. And Amalek is a, a roving tribe that comes from the, the Edomite ancestry. You can read about that in Genesis 36. And again, this is a list of enemies of Israel that are you can read throughout the Old Testament. It's a really good summary. Um, Tyre. Tyre is a region that is 25 miles south of Sidon, and it's about 35 miles north of Carmel, and it's a seacoast town. And in verse 8, it says, even Assyria has joined them. And so we know that Assyria was one of the major enemies and did so much damage. Remember, we talked about the king of Assyria a couple of days ago, or maybe it was last week, and um, some of the battles that, that happened with the king of Assyria. And then Lot's descendants. Those descendants would be Moab and Ammon. And they were descendants from that incestuous relationship of Lot and his two daughters. You can read about that in Genesis 19. I think we're going to stop here for a couple moments and listen to a word from our sponsor. And then when we return, we'll dive into the rest of the psalm. Stay tuned. In verse 9, it talks about Midian. Israel fights with the Midianites in Numbers chapter 31. And there's another battle that it's talked about that in Judges 6 through 8. That's the guys that Gideon was fighting. Remember the, the battle with Gideon? Um, and he fought with like the 300 really terrible warriors. Um, that, that was a battle against the Midianites. And so what we're seeing through this section is this list of enemies of God and enemies of Israel. And so we see a transition here, you know, that starts using this opportunity to ask God to intervene. Um, it talks about in verse 17, may they perish in disgrace. That is a kind of a, 
a petition that we see a couple different times in scripture. It's a prayer that's essentially asking that these enemies of God would, would perish, would perish in disgrace. And so the petition is that they will seek your name. It does not mean that the, they are praying for them to come to a saving faith, but instead that they would surrender to the will of God and acknowledge his sovereignty. And so we see that in Judges chapter five, um, when Deborah is celebrating her victory over the Canaanites. So it's, um, it's a way to pray for God to have control over their enemies, even though they're not necessarily praying for their enemies to come to faith in Christ. Similarly, in the next verse, in verse 18, the prayer is let them know. And so that is, um, again, a prayer that the those enemy nations would see God's work, would see the work of Yahweh and recognize that he is sovereign, but it wouldn't necessarily be saving knowledge. They would. It, it's a prayer, not that they would come again, not that they would come to faith, but they would recognize God's hand. There's one enemy that I want to point out that if you don't understand, um, some of these nations and and what they represented. I just want to remind you. Um, So when it's going through this list of nations, um, it's mostly talking about military enemies that uh, there have been military fights against. But it also includes the city of Tyre, T-Y-R-E. And that's not really a military enemy. It's more of a spiritual one because, um, and you can read about this in Amos chapter 1 and Ezekiel chapter 26, It was through that city and through what happened in that city that there was some economic alliances, some political alliances with the Phoenicians. And that's how Israel learned new ways of infidelity to God. And so that city became a turning point in Israel's history because it really introduced this adulterous behavior on behalf of the Israelites' relationship with God. And you know, Israel was connected to the sea and to the larger world with these um, different kinds of possibilities that happen with the economic ties to the Phoenician cities of both Tyre and, and Sidon. And so, again, while that wasn't necessarily a military enemy, it was an economic and spiritual enemy because that was, like I said, a turning point for them. And if you think about that, you know, it's not always about the, the physical destruction. You know, the military enemies brought about physical destruction. But these other two cities, the their enemies that represent a spiritual enemy. And that sometimes, I mean, in the case of Israel, essentially, was the bigger factor in in determining their behavior. And, you know, Paul talks about this in the New Testament, how in, in the Ephesians, how our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of the dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's Ephesians six twelve. That's essentially the same thing that's going on here, where there is a spiritual battle that is sometimes having even more weight than the physical battles that we're going through. I think that changes things for us when we think about this in terms of how God's our enemies are God's enemies because God's hand on us as his people he is aligned with us we find our identity in him and especially in terms of spiritual enemies I mean I have so many experiences throughout my life where I have seen the enemy at work to fight 
the work that we're doing, or maybe it's, um, you know, to get, get on the field, the mission field, you know, the, the mission trips that we go on are pricey. There's a cost involved and it never fails. Almost every single time we have uh, a trip, there is a, some sort of financial burden. This last time, actually it was our vehicle. It was my van that I drive and my van's not even very old. Um, you know, we had put on new snow tires last year. Usually snow tires will last us a couple years. Well, all of a sudden my tires are bald and I work from home. So it's not like I'm driving all over the country or something. And it, so boom, it was like, like a thousand dollars to get those tires replaced right at the same time that I'm getting ready to leave. And that, I mean, I don't want to minimize spiritual attacks because they can be much, much worse. But what I'm saying is, is because I was going to go do something that God was sending me to do, the enemy attacked. And what I know now is that my enemies are also God's enemies. And that includes spiritually speaking. So, um, you know, we, we have options. It's not like we have to sit there and just suffer at the hands of our enemies. We have a God that longs to intervene. And because our enemies are also God's enemies, we can rest with this knowledge that he will fight on our behalf. Even if it's just for the sake of his own reputation, we have a God that longs to be involved in the things that, that we're dealing with. And, you know, if you've listened to the reports back that I shared a couple weeks ago when I came back from that trip, when I got back, there was a check for $2,500 in my mailbox. And it more than covered the cost of that trip. And we don't even know who it was from. It was just a cashier's check. And it is so amazing to see God intervene on the behalf of his kids. And while I might not have had a, a physical military enemy in front of me, I certainly had a spiritual enemy that was trying to stop me. And I think that's the key takeaway in this psalm is that we see that our enemies are also God's enemies. And so I'm going to reread that given this insight. Hopefully that helps you understand it a little bit better. So starting back at verse one, oh God, do not keep silent. Be not quiet. Oh God, be not still. See how your enemies are astir, how your foes rear their heads. With cunning, they conspire against your people. They plot against you, those you cherish. Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation, that the name of Israel be remembered no more. With one mind, they plot together. They form an alliance against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagrites, Gabal, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia, with the people of Tyre. Even Assyria has joined them to lend to the strength to the descendants of Lot. Do to them as you did to Midian, as you did to Sisera and Jabin and the river Kishon, who perished at Endor and became like refuse on the ground. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all their princes like Zeba and Zelmona, who said, let us take possession of the pasture lands of God. Make them like tumbleweed, O oh my God, like chaff before the wind, as fire consumes the forest or flame sets the mountains ablaze. So pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your storm. Cover their faces with shame so that men will seek your name, O Lord. May they ever be ashamed and dismayed. May they perish in disgrace. Let them know that you, whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high over all the earth. Father God, we thank you for the ability to see your hand at work in the lives of the Israelites and in our lives today. God, help us to recognize that... Our enemies are your enemies and that when we are pursuing you with a heart geared towards righteousness and pleasing you, God, that, that the enemies that stand in our way are standing in your way. God, help us to, to, um, for that to resonate with us in our hearts, even if it's 
not physical enemies, but spiritual enemies, God, that, that we would recognize that we do not fight these battles alone, but that you fight on our behalf alongside of us. So God, I pray for my friend today that is facing a spiritual battle, an emotional battle, an economic battle, or even a physical battle. God, I pray that you would remind them that through your spirit that you are there. Your word says that your Holy Spirit is the comforter. So I ask for the comforter to be there, that you would fight on our behalf and that we would not keep you out of the fight, but that we would invite you in because you long to meet us where we're at. I pray that you would meet the need of my friend today, wherever their need is. I pray that you would meet them there. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Hey friend, do you feel like you need a little one-on-one? My goal for the She Hears ministry, the Hearing Jesus podcast, all the resources that we have is to really help you learn how to hear God's voice so that you can be confident in your relationship with him. And if you're struggling to learn how to identify or even overcome the barriers that you have in your life to growth, I want to be able to walk through that with you. Did you know that I'm a Christian life coach? Maybe you're struggling with something and you need some objective biblical insight or opinions, or maybe you need to work through something that feels just a little bit too heavy to do on your own. I would love to walk through that with you and land on some practical ways to achieve that goal. And so I have some limited coaching opportunities. If you go to shehears.org, there's a section where you can schedule some one-on-one time with me. I have Mondays and Fridays open right now going into the new year. So I pray that if that is something that you need, that you've been praying about that it would be an opportunity for you to take advantage of some one-on-one time with me. And again, my heart is really to help you lean into whatever it is that God is calling you to do. I pray that that's a blessing for you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call in your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.